Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for today's message is taken from that gospel lesson from Luke 13, which you heard just a moment ago, with an emphasis on these words. Someone said to Jesus, Lord, will those who are saved be few? And he said to them, Strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. This is our text, dear brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. Friends, I feel confident in saying that it's not a stretch to say that our world today has a problem with facts. Indeed, I would wager that depending on things like your politics, your income, your ethnicity, or your education, each and every one of you may have a different example that comes to mind as to which facts exactly are being ignored and by whom. But this is the time that we live in. Facts and information can now be catered to the tastes of the individual. What is real and what is fake are often considered a subjective matter. And each person, simply by tweaking a few options on their cell phone or their smart device or their smart TV, can lock themselves into an information bubble, one that is entirely based on their outlook, their biases, their fears. Don't like uh, what you heard from one news anchor? Well, go ahead and switch the station to another channel. Hear something contrary to that so-called information bubble? Well, we ask, we're trained to say, says who? But friends, what happens? What happens when we reach a point where the facts can no longer be ignored or debated? That's the question that Jesus helps us answer today in Luke chapter 13. To illustrate his point, I'd like to call to your minds a film that was released on Netflix late last year entitled, Don't Look Up. Now those of you, hopefully all adults, who have seen this film might know where I'm going with this, but for those of you who didn't see it, the basic plot of Don't Look Up concerns two astronomers who, in the course of their research, discover a comet barreling at Earth that has the potential to cause a mass extinction event. So, the two launch an information campaign to encourage global cooperation in preparing efforts to divert or destroy the comet before such an event can take place. Now, the twist, however, is that Don't Look Up is not a riveting sci-fi film like we might imagine, uh, but rather it's a scathing satire. As soon as they approach the mass media, the two scientists are met with everything from eye-rolling to online influencers who want to help them improve their sense of fashion. Global leaders, meanwhile, are too entrenched in bickering and scandals to provide any meaningful action until it serves their purposes as a distraction. Wealthy businessmen look for ways to capitalize on their findings while ordinary people react with suspicion, doubt, or even panic. Finally, with all of their efforts to engage the people stymied, and the comet now visible in the skies above to the naked eye, the scientists launch a new campaign to try to get the people to see what is now so plainly apparent right above them. They call this movement, Just Look Up. But for all of their efforts, even this 
last effort is met with derision and a counter-campaign simply entitled, Don't Look Up, of all things. Now, can you imagine if you've been in a situation like this, anything more frustrating than not being heard? Don't look up. Don't believe your eyes. Don't trust your ears. Bury your head in the sand and you can make all the unpleasant realities of a sin-filled world simply go away. Just live your own truth, as the voices from your devices are so fond of saying. But friends, in our heart of hearts, we know that that's not how the world works. At a certain point, simple facts can no longer be ignored. And that's what Jesus addresses in our gospel reading when he is approached with a rather loaded question. That is, an end times question. Lord, will those who are saved be few? Now bear in mind that at this point in Luke 13, Jesus is nearing the end of his ministry. How do we know that? Well, Luke says that he's heading toward Jerusalem. And what would happen in Jerusalem? Well, Jesus was still revealing that. But he had revealed to his disciples before this plenty of things that they were now wrestling with. They heard his teaching and his preaching. And now some of these sons and daughters of Abraham were starting to ask some very hard questions of themselves. Will I be saved? Have I been living the way that Jesus told me to live? When this question was asked, they may have well have been asking, Lord, must I really listen to all these heavy commands that you've been giving? How, how can I maybe have salvation my own way, tailored to fit my wants, my outlooks, my biases? After all, Jesus, you're giving us pretty tall orders here. He's hit his disciples with some hard salvific facts. Things like sell your possessions and give to the poor. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Whoever loves father or mother or son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. If anyone would come after me, let him then deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. I don't know about you all, but the old Adam in me hears these words of Jesus and a plethora of others And immediately he begins looking for alternatives. He asks that same tired old question which mankind has played on repeat since Eden. Did God really mean what he said? But friends, he did. And he does. Everything Jesus said and did during his earthly life and ministry was to teach us how to live a life set apart from the fallen and sinful ways of our world and follow him. He was coaching us, bringing us, guiding us to present ourselves washed and ready for his coming salvation. To that end, he adds yet another difficult teaching in response to that loaded question. Lord, will those who are saved be few? Strive to enter through the narrow door. 
For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, open to us, then he will answer you. I do not know where you come from. Well, but then you will begin to say, but we ate and drank in your presence. You taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. Talk about difficult. Jesus here in Luke 13 informs us that the door to salvation is narrow indeed. So much so that even those folks who think they have all the answers might very well find themselves cast out. The hard fact here is that the door to the Father's house is so narrow that there is but one entrance, one way in. And what is that one entrance? Well, John 10, verse 9, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. And again, John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Says who, I hear you ask. Says Jesus. We hear these words and the old Adam in us, our gut reaction, we want to be offended, don't we? Who Jesus to tell us that he and he alone is the way to eternal life? How dare he be so narrow-minded, so exclusive, so exclusionary? We live in a pluralistic world after all, don't we? We're used to having options and choices and alternatives. We want every path to be equal. We want every road we walk to lead us to the same place, that place where we want to go. But remember, at a certain point, there's no arguing with the facts. When Christ comes again in glory, he will find you, O sinner, either among his own, washed and ready to enter his kingdom, or he'll find you on the outside, wandering some other way which does not lead to life in him. So this begs a rather important question for us gathered here this morning, now wrestling with these hard truths. What is a sinner to do? How do we know for sure whether we will be numbered among those few who enter by the narrow door? We start to ask ourselves those questions. What about all those times where my life didn't exactly match up to Jesus' standard? What about the times that I failed to give to the needy, where I did not turn the other cheek, where I refused to speak the truth and love to my neighbor, where I put down my cross and instead sought some worldly or temporal pleasure? Well, friends, to those of you worried about these things, I pose to you a rather simple solution. Just look up. In fact, go ahead right now. Don't, don't worry about looking silly. Just look up. There we go. Well, maybe not that high up. Look about 45 degrees or so from where you're sitting. Just look up. What do you see? Yeah. That is none other than the cross of Christ by which you were saved. Friends, in his suffering and death at Calvary, Christ Jesus, he has opened the way for you to come into his house and to recline at his table, no matter how far you have strayed, no matter how sinful you have been, 
your Lord, your friend, your champion, he has secured for you a place in his kingdom. So today I ask you another question. Why seek any other? Why bury our heads in the sand or look for alternatives? Why seek to save yourself when Christ crucified has already given you his salvation and has given it to you freely? Yes, the door is narrow, that is what he says, but friends, take heart, that door is wide open for you who are baptized into his name, you who have heard his words and sought all his blessing and benefit. The way for you is plain, it is marked for you by the Holy Scriptures, which all attest that this Christ and his sacrifices, they are good, they are sufficient to work forgiveness, life, and salvation in you. Furthermore, Jesus concludes, people will come from east and west, from north and south, to recline at table in the kingdom of God. And behold, some, who are, la- some are last who will be first, and some are first who will be last. You heard him right. Though the door is narrow, it's not just open to a select few. It's open to people from all tribes and languages, to rich and poor alike. Christ calls people in all times and all places to share in the joy of his salvation, won for them in his suffering and death. And so today, as you come again to hear this good news, I invite you, heed the voice of him who seeks the lost. Heed the voice of him who exalts the lowly, who sets the captives free. Heed his call to you, which was issued in the waters of your baptism, to come and follow him, receiving the gifts he freely gives. In a world of so many and various voices all vying for your attention, armed with facts of all kinds and so-called alternatives to the word of God, I tell you, there is but one fact which is necessary for the salvation of your soul and for the life of the world to come. And that fact is this, that Christ Jesus so loves you that he gave himself up for you. But don't take my word for it. Just look up. In Jesus' name, amen. May the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in this same Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.